Thank you for joining us on the LTC DON chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. This is episode one of the competency-based staffing podcast series. I'm your host today, Jessica Kunkler, and I am here with AADNS's Curriculum Development Specialist, Amy Stewart. Welcome, Amy. Thanks, Jessica. I'm very excited to be here and share information on competency-based education for staff with everyone. Amy, I know that staff competency is a hot issue when it comes to preparing for the new survey process. Can you share why staff competency is important to our listeners? Absolutely. Today, the residents in our nursing homes are more complex than ever. So employing competent staff ensures that we're able to adequately and safely care for those residents with more complex medical needs. It also helps us to identify changes quickly, put interventions in place, and avoid complications. Competency is not just about a one-and-done type of educational opportunity. Competency requires ongoing assessment of education and training needs of staff to improve care delivery. The requirement for competency seems like an undefined thing. Can you explain how will competencies be measured by surveyors? Sure. During surveys, the survey team is going to be observing for staff competency in a variety of scenarios. And they're going to be assessing to ensure that staff are competent to care for the specific resident population within a facility. We as nurse leaders can't just assume staff are competent in all areas. We must assess for it, offer competency-based education to support the gap in knowledge, continually look for new opportunities, and we must evaluate the effectiveness of the training offered in order for us to be sure that there is that what we've taught them is actually being applied consistently during care delivery. So you are saying that nurse leaders should continuously observe and assess staff in advance of survey. It really seems like a daunting task, but I'm sure it must promote quality of care. Jessica, this will help decrease risk of survey deficiencies. Being on the lookout will help them to identify what is working well, what isn't working well, and then what areas are going to need more staff education. Can you provide an overview of the staff competency regulation for our audience? Absolutely. The federal regulations under F-726, competent nursing staff, indicates that the facility must have sufficient nursing staff with the appropriate competencies and skill sets to provide nursing and related services to assure resident safety and to attain or maintain the highest practicable physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being of each resident as determined by the resident assessment, so that's the MDS, and the individual plans of care and considering the number, acuity, and diagnosis of the facility's resident population in accordance with a facility assessment. But the competency language isn't limited to just nursing, and I want to make sure our listeners know that. The state operations manual also indicates if survey investigation actually reveals that there's concerns with competency of staff in other areas, other than nursing, they should consider citing under those other areas. So, for example, F741 for any staff caring with residents with dementia or a history of trauma and or Uh, PTSD, under F803 for food and nutrition staff, under F826 for specialized rehab service, and then 
F839 administration for any other staff not referenced above. Wow, that seems like a lot of potential for citations and a really big task for DONs. Thanks, Amy. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Providing ongoing access to training has been proven to improve staff engagement, satisfaction, and retention. Both AADNS and its sister association, ANAC, offer affordable staff education options, such as recorded webinars and virtual workshops. To learn more, visit www.anac.org or www.aadns-ltc.org. Welcome back, listeners. Let's continue our discussion with Amy Stewart on staff competency. Amy, can you explain a bit about how competency-based education differs from knowledge-based educational offerings? Certainly. Knowledge-based education provides the learner with information. Knowledge is a clear and and certain perception of something, the act of understanding, which we can actually gain through formal education, through training, and through experience. An example of a knowledge-based education would be a course on geriatric assessment. This type of course gives learners a better, more clear understanding of how assessing geriatric residents differs from other patient populations. It also gives them knowledge that they didn't have prior to the course. The competency-based training, on the other hand, is a measurable pattern of knowledge, skills, abilities, behaviors, and characteristics that a person needs to perform their job. Think about the differences here. I could have the knowledge in geriatric assessment, but I have to take that knowledge and be able to apply that knowledge consistently in a measurable way in order to be considered competent. It sounds like competency-based training is more interactive, and it really requires the educator to make sure that the information being communicated sticks with the learner, so to say. That must be an important consideration when thinking about diverse staff who may not all learn one way. Is that true? It is. I also want to point out that learners do learn in a variety of ways. And this is an important consideration when thinking about the way education is offered. One of my favorite kind of little sayings, if you will, is that people retain 10% of what they read, 20% of what they hear, 30% of what they see, but 90% of what they've seen demonstrated and are given an opportunity to practice. So that's an important element here, giving people the knowledge and an opportunity to to see it demonstrated, but then also giving them the opportunity to, to demonstrate that they understand what they've just learned as well. That's really great information. Uh, Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about competency-based education sessions? Just a couple more things that are coming to my mind. When you think about creating competency-based educational sessions, think, think about the end first. What does you want learners to be able to do when they leave? What behavior do you want to see changed? Then consider what knowledge, skills, and action are going to be required in order for them to do what you're asking of them. For example, if you want to lower your infections, you must identify what staff are doing that can lead to the spread of infection. So let's say you discover that it's hand washing or um, issues related to hand washing. 
You would want to educate staff on the proper technique of hand washing based on the facility policy. And next, you would want them to be able to demonstrate that they can wash their hands in, you know, in accordance with your policy. And then once they've learned that and demonstrated that, monitoring it in the clinical setting to make sure that it's carried over into what I consider the live clinical setting on a consistent basis. Thank you so much, Amy. This is such a helpful explanation for our members. Be sure to tune in to episode two for more information on staff competencies. In the meantime, you can always visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. Thank you.